Everyone needs a pastor. A visit to the pastor's study brings biblically faithful pastoral ministry to you and pastoral ministry from those with proven experience in Christian service. Our time together will be lively, sometimes controversial, always useful, and never dull. Welcome to the study of Pastor Bill Shishko. And this is Pastor Bill Shishko here with you. It's great to have you with us for another visit to the pastor's study. Imagine with me that we've come to the last day of of this world's history. Jesus Christ, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and the one appointed as judge of all humanity, has returned in glory, majesty, and honor. And all those who have lived and died over the thousands of years of human history have been raised from the dead, reconstituted by the sovereign power of God, and reunited with their souls. They join those who were alive on the unexpected day of Christ's return, and they are all before the judgment seat of Christ to receive their eternal reward or their eternal penalty. Jesus separates the sheep from the goats, the sheep and those who were chosen, called, and saved by sheer divine grace, and the goats, well, those who were passed over in the divine economy of redemption. But the universe including the created beings known as angels, demand, as it were, evidences that mark the differences between the sheep and the goats. Salvation by grace was ordained to bring forth the fruits and the demonstration of good works. These justify our faith, our true religion before all. And what that grand demonstration of God's grace in the lives of his people looks like is utterly and astoundingly and eternally memorably striking. The evidence of true saving faith comes down to two things. What did people do with Jesus Christ, and how was that demonstrated? The great judge who has the final word in human affairs speaks first to the sheep, his true people. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food, I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Those addressed are stunned at how their lives that had been blessed with God's saving work come down to these few things. But how did they do these things for Jesus Christ? They ask, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? When did we see you thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you? When did we see you naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the profound answer from King Jesus is simply, truly, I say to you, as you did it, to one of the least of these my brothers and sisters. You did it to me. You see, Jesus and his bride, the church, are truly one. And the day of judgment is a grand declaration that true love for Jesus was shown by true love for his bride, his people, his church. Now, tragically, the opposite is also true. Those whose lives were not caught up in demonstrations of practical love to Christ and his people, 
showed conclusively that they had no part in God's saving work in history. Their punishment is eternal, even as the blessing of God's true people is eternal. Well, I urge you to read the whole very dramatic account in the 25th chapter of the Bible's Gospel of Matthew. It's among Christ's probing final words near to the time of his trial, his sentencing, his execution, and his death. And it's designed to make us ask if our faith is truly centered on Christ and truly demonstrated by lives of love to Christ and to his people. I was in prison, and you visited me as you came to and visited one of the least of these, my brothers and my sisters, in prison. You did it to me. Now, we must not understand this as many modern commentators on the Bible do. Jesus is not saying here that we demonstrate our faith in Christ by a general love and by works of compassion for all people. Other texts of the Bible teach that quite clearly, but not this one. In this section of the Word of God, Jesus is speaking specifically of showing love to Christ by practical expressions of love to his people. And nothing less is satisfactory evidence that we are truly Christians. And those practical expressions of love specifically include going to and ministering to professed Christians who are incarcerated, who are in prison for whatever reason. You can read many accounts of how Christians in the early church cared for their brothers and sisters who had been imprisoned, usually for reasons connected with their commitment to Christ as their Lord. They brought them food and clothing. In many cases, they paid from their own funds so that their brothers and sisters in Christ could be released. Some even sold themselves into slavery to raise the price for the release of their brothers and sisters in Christ. That genuine self-giving love for those regarded as social outcasts was a powerful testimony to the pagan world. And while it began with ministry to other Christians, it also reached others in prison who were poor, needy, and in many, many cases unjustly imprisoned. Jesus did come to proclaim liberty to captives, beginning with gracious liberation from the guilt and the power of sin. And throughout history, Christians have taken seriously the many leveled admonitions from the Bible book of Hebrews. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them. It's hard to imagine that today in America there are over 2.3 million people who are incarcerated. From 1975 to 2005, over a 30-year period, the number of those imprisoned in the United States quadrupled. Today, the American prison system has been called the prison industrial complex, the world behind the barbed wire and stark walls and barred windows is notoriously full of mistreatment, oppression, sexual perversion, and dehumanization. The violent often become more violent, and little is done to prepare those who have been removed from society, often for decades, to return to society prepared for a new life in a strange new world. Those who have been incarcerated have, as it were, scarlet letters on their heads. They are branded with labels viewed as stereotypes and often 
marginalized by society, an American version of the lepers of other nations and of other cultures. And so it's understandable that their recidivism rate, the rate at which former criminals return to a life of crime, is notoriously high, and the cycle begins again. I was in prison, and you visited me. Professed Christians are not immune to criminal actions that cause them to land in prison. In some cases, people faced with their guilt and the consequences of their misconduct as it affected others have serious dealings with God and God and Christ during their incarceration. They become genuine Christians during their imprisonment. And Jesus really indwells these by the Holy Spirit. They are to be visited, they are to be ministered to, as if ministering to Christ but ministered to by other Christians. And that inevitably brings those ministering Christians into contact with a whole community of people who are faced every day with the painful fruits of their bad conduct and whose only hope for real reformation, reformation that begins with a new heart that comes from God himself, is in the good news of the liberating Jesus Christ. Well, if you haven't guessed it, our topic for today's visit to the pastor's study is... I was in prison and a look inside prison ministry. And my guest today is Pastor Brett Malin, a trained and ordained minister whose call is to minister to those in prison. He's an associate pastor of Covenant Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Orland Park, Illinois. And he'll not only tell us what prison life and ministry to those in prison is really like, but he'll also give us practical advice for prison ministry that connects prisoners with a life of the local church, and that's really, really important. Now remember, this program invites and encourages you to visit us by calling in with your questions. Our live call-in number, please, please write it down, live call-in number 631-955-5400, 631-955-5400 to call in with your questions. And you can also text your questions at the special number, 516-367-0391. Text questions only, 516-367-0391. And you can text questions anytime you want during the week. Just put that under Pastor Bill. Text questions, 516-367-0391. But for now, minister to those in prisons, Pastor Brett Nalen. Hey, welcome to a visit to the pastor's study. Thank you, Pastor Bill. Hey, Pastor Brett how did you get involved in prison ministry and prison ministry full-time? Well, thank you for that question. I uh, I have to confess, I did not go searching for this. It was not something that the Lord had particularly laid on my heart uh, when I was in seminary. Um, it's, I would say that uh, prison ministry came looking for me and found me, and I see God's providence in that. So uh, my story is, I'll seek to be brief, my story is that uh, I was uh, finished with seminary, and I went to do an internship in a church, uh, Covenant Orthodox Presbyterian Church, uh, which you just mentioned. And uh, in my time there, uh, I was there for a year and a half, I was able to participate in their prison ministry. And uh, they have had a prison ministry for many, many years, and... Um, so I was there for a year and a half, and I was in, able to go in and be a part of the prison ministry. That was part of my pastoral internship. And then uh, I went elsewhere, and I was a, a pastor elsewhere for six years. 
And it just so happened that in the time that I was gone uh, from Covenant OPC in Orleans Park, uh, a, a number of things happened. Uh, the, the prison ministry continued to grow and continued to thrive, and we also had two uh, lay people who were uh, very strong on prison ministry. They had actually started it, and uh, uh, one passed away, and one retired and moved away. And the the session, the elders of our uh, of Covenant OPC, just realized that um, they need someone to do this full time uh, because of all of the needs uh, of the men in the prison. So uh, they had me. Uh, in their uh, in their memory, um, their recent memory. So uh, I was very blessed to be called back to uh, a congregation uh, that my family uh, really loved and adored and uh, able to come to a great place to do evangelism and pastoral ministry and uh, counseling and uh, teaching and preaching and, and all of the rest. So uh, All behind bars, <laughs> behind the walls, right? Yes. So, Pastor Brett, uh, you drive up to this uh, rather imposing, if not even scary, place called a prison. You you go through the the, uh, humbling uh, security procedures to even get in the place, where sometimes, at least in my experience, you, you feel like a criminal yourself. And you get in there. What's the experience of being, not, not so much the ministry yet, but what's the experience like of just being in the prison? Sure. So, uh, like you said, I, I go up to it, I drive up to it, and it's an old building. It's almost 100 years old. Uh, I think we're at 93, 94 years old. Uh, and it shows its age. You can tell uh, it's quite old. So I go in uh, to uh, a visitor's center, and I have a badge uh, because it, uh, because I'm a permanent volunteer, and I go in. It has my picture on it, and um, then I uh, bring in certain materials. I'm limited in what I can bring in. I do get uh, patted down, and uh, I go through four gates. Um, those Each one has... Uh, security procedures. Uh, they look through my books. <clears throat> excuse me. They look through my Bible. Anything that I bring in, just to make sure that I'm not bringing uh, any contraband in. And they also check I'm going out to make sure that I'm not bringing anything out. And so I, I go in, and uh, you do see some people um, working. Uh, you know, one man will be painting a wall. Uh, and they do have inmates who are working and that sort of thing. Um, lots of correctional officers everywhere. Um, and then when you go to the cells, um, I would say that it, the cells do look somewhat like you see in a movie, somewhat stereotypical, where the paint is chipped off the bars or worn, over, worn out over the years and that sort of thing. And it, uh, it, it really just looks like an old building they do keep it clean um so so pastor brett i I mentioned this the monologue i read about the pain and the suffering and the exploitation and the injustice the violence and the perversion behind the prison walls is that exaggerated uh yes and no uh if you had if had asked me that 20 years ago, and if I had been 
pastoring here uh, in the prison 20 years ago. Uh, I don't think it would have been exaggerated. The place, uh, the particular place where I'm ministering, the particular uh, correctional center, uh, had a reputation of being very harsh 20, 25 years ago. Um, lots of horrible things going on, and I, you, you can only imagine the sort of sorts of things going on. Whether you wondered whether the inmates run the place or whether the officers do. Um, it has since changed, and it is relatively safe, uh, safer than it once was. Um, they, they, the particular prison took uh, security precautions for their correctional officers, also for the inmates. And so uh, it is much safer, but I, I would say, I mean, nowhere is safe ultimately, and there have been times when... Uh, the prison has gone into lockdown, uh, which that means everybody goes to their cells and nobody is out. Uh, and that now, now has that happened when you've actually? Is that actually happened when you've been there in the prison where they've gone into lockdown? Uh, yes, I have been there, and they've gone into lockdown, and and I just need to uh, head for the door. And I don't know usually at the time. Uh, what the reason is, oftentimes I'll find out later, but if uh, if there's a fight on the yard, uh, any sort of uh, violence or threat, anything like that, basically um, thousands of men are uh, are punished and placed in their uh, particular cells. So, so are you, now is this a maximum security prison that you're in or an intermediate facility? What, what, what level of security is this prison in which you work? It is maximum security. Okay, so it, and is this just one prison in which you work, Pastor Brett, or do you do you work with a number in a number of prisons? Uh, just one, just one. Uh, the one is uh, it's about a half hour from our house and from the uh, church. Uh, I would say our plan was uh, when I came here to minister to about three or four prisons because we have had members of our church. Uh, who were at the particular uh, correctional center, who uh, were then brought to other places within the state. And my hope was to go and minister to them in their particular places uh, and their particular uh, prisons. However, uh, when I arrived, I was sad to find out that because of the two programs that I have at my uh, particular correctional center, I'm not allowed to go to the other ones and visit those inmate members. Just they want to crack down on uh, any sorts of uh, conspiring or collusion or anything like that. Now, is this connected with your commitment to Christ as a Christian minister, uh, which I hope is not the case, or, or is this just more for general security procedures? Uh, that's that's actually. Um, Rules are set by the uh, by the correctional institutions uh, throughout the state. Okay, so so it's not specifically addressed at you as a Christian minister. But, no, but, I see what you're. I see yeah. your question. Uh, right. No, it's not. Okay, and and so so because I'm thinking for down the line as we discuss this, uh, people who are going to be involved in prison ministry really need to be aware that there can be a variety of, of uh, regulations in different places, and, they, and obviously they must abide by these, correct? 
Yes, uh, you, you certainly have to. Um, you can you can make many mistakes accidentally. Uh, the old adage, um, "No good deed goes on." Um, you can seek to do good, and then find out uh, later that you've transgressed some law or some uh, rule. For example, there I, I know of someone uh, who was a minister who was helping out in a prison, and there came the the time for the release date of one of the inmates. And so, what would you do if you had been pastoring for someone for many years? And then you know that person's going to come out. Well, you think, well, maybe that person needs a ride. You offer a ride, and then uh, his prison ministry was closed down as a result of that. Uh, Now, you wouldn't think that you'd have that sort of rule, but they're making sure that there's not some sort of uh, conspiring or uh, working together to undermine anything. Oh, my. Yeah, you certainly do. We we learn lessons of the law, even the more are the law of God, and how it how it convicts us at every point. It seems it can't can't, can't do anything without without breaking. This is fascinating, Pastor Brett. We're talking today with Pastor Brett Nalen, whose entire ministry is given to prison ministry, to ministry to those in prison, and really ministry to Christ in dealing with uh, Christians in prison and with others. I'm sure you've got questions. You're welcome to call in six three one nine five five. Five four zero zero six three one nine five 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 four zero zero, and that will get you right to the studio. Or you can text Pastor Bill with your texted questions five one six three six seven zero three nine one five one six three six seven zero three nine one. And we'll be back with uh, Prison Minister Pastor Brett Nalen after this message from the voice of a visit to the pastor's study. That great city, New York. Metropolitan New York is the largest city in the United States. And with a population of over 20 million people, Metro New York is one of the largest cities in the world. And what's more, Metro New York is home to people from every nation of the world. To reach Metro New York is to reach the world. But churches faithful to historic Reformation Christianity in the Metro New York area are few and far between. The mission fields of Metro New York are America's richest, and most neglected. Reformation Metro New York is an agency by which the Orthodox Presbyterian Church is planting and developing biblically faithful churches and church ministries in the Metro New York area. Through Reformation Metro New York, you can help promote the outreach of this program, a visit to the pastor's study, and other projects designed to further the ongoing reformation of the church. That and church planting are the great passions of Reformation Metro New York. For more information, Information, check out the website at ReformationMetroNY.org where you'll get a personal look at the ministries of the churches, pastors, evangelists, and teachers of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in the area, and you'll learn how you can be a part of our labors. We need your help. Here's the site again, ReformationMetroNY.org. Thanks for your interest and your help. Remember that great city, New York. To reach Metro New York is to reach the world. Now back to today's edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. 
Pastor Bill Shishkill here with you. My guest today, Pastor Brett Malin, involved in prison ministries in the Chicago area of our nation. If you'd like to call in with your questions, 631-955-5400, 631-955-5400, or text your questions at 516-367-0391, 516-367-0391. Pastor Brett what do you actually do in your prison ministry? Thank you. Uh, well, uh, I often tell people that I wear multiple hats, and uh, I, they're, they're, I would say that they're hats that uh, we, we get into ministry to do, the things we do, uh, the reasons we go to seminary. So I get to be uh, simultaneously and, and at different times uh, pastor and professor and counselor list and uh, an apologist or defender of the faith and maybe a missionary uh, in a sense as well. So uh, just to lay out how things go, uh, we have worship services. Uh, we have about uh, 25 men uh, who come at, uh, at that time for worship. And uh, our worship is very simple. It uh, seems to me similar to uh, Paul and Silas in prison uh, in the book of Acts where we sing hymns. Uh, I read the Bible, I preach, uh, I'm able to uh, bring the sacraments, uh, I'm able to serve the uh, Lord's Supper, and uh, so that's what we do uh, as far as worship and the, the pastoral ministry, uh, how that looks. We do uh, worship, uh, I would say, uh, straight from the hymnal and singing from the hymnal that many of us are familiar with uh, in the OPC uh, in the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, and it's so rich to listen to the men, uh, sometimes off key, uh, but it doesn't matter. They they are uh, singing to the Lord, the one who has uh, redeemed them and has set them free. Uh, then I'm also professor, uh, one of the professors at uh, Divine Hope Reformed Bible Seminary, and that is a seminary which teaches inmates in the Indiana and Illinois. Uh, areas, uh, and they have a whole uh, degree program, and uh, they teach a whole, the, really the whole gamut of, uh, of theology between, um, uh, they did teach languages for a time, but systematic theology and practical and counseling and that sort of thing. So I teach um, a couple of days a week. Uh, I'm teaching uh, with that seminary. Uh, then I also uh, do evangelism counseling, and I do that from cell to cell. Uh, I do have the freedom to do that. So uh, imagine five floors with uh, 30 cells on each floor, and so uh, I can just start at one end and walk uh, from one end to the other and uh, seek to engage men, and I'll uh, talk to them about the gospel. Some of them are good, strong Bible readers, and some of them are not, and uh, some of them are into different um, uh, other theological uh, belief systems, different cults, uh, other religions, and that sort of thing. So I have very, many good uh, discussions with them, and obviously uh, there are those who are skeptical of the, the Reformed faith or, or of biblical Christianity, so oftentimes I'll engage with them. That. Now, how do you initiate uh, that, Pastor Brett? How, you're going from cell to cell. How, how do you actually start that conversation? I uh, I will bring with me uh, Reformed literature 
and uh, Reformed devotionals. There's actually a particular Reformed uh, monthly devotional uh, that comes uh, to the prison. I send in uh, a whole box of them into the prison, and then they are there uh, waiting for me in the chaplain's office. So I'll just ask them, would you like something to read? And uh, oftentimes they do. Sometimes they say, no, thank you. Sometimes the conversation is as brief as no, thank you, and sometimes it's, yes, thanks, just leave it there. And sometimes I'll have uh, an hour-long conversation or even far more than an hour with someone. Yeah, so, so your work really, uh, it, it, I guess, are rather obviously, you're building up a relationship with people. You're becoming a you're becoming a friend to those who are in prison, right? Absolutely, yeah. especially with those who attend my worship services and those who uh, attend my classes. And there are many who attend both worship service and uh, the classes. And then I have plenty of opportunities to talk to them. Um, so, so yes, with them especially, but I'm seeking to. Uh, minister to the whole prison. Right. So, so how, Pastor Brett, is your work different, or maybe like uh, the work of groups like Prison Fellowship? Thank you. Um, well, Prison Fellowship, uh, we're certainly grateful for uh, the ministry that they do. I don't have any interactions with them at my particular prison. Um, however, uh, you know, I've read Born Again by Colson. And I've uh, been familiar with uh, uh, somewhat distantly uh, from prison fellowship. Um, I, the difference is this: um, it's really the difference between church and parachurch. Um, so the uh, prison fellowship—they teach classes in the prison. They help people uh, to, to lower the recidivism rate. They minister. To family, they do sorts of those sorts of things, and we certainly can appreciate many of the things done by uh, a parachurch uh, organization like uh, Prison Fellowship. How, however, um, Christ has given to the church uh, the preaching of the Word of God and the sacraments, and so uh, the difference is that I'm bringing not just um, the Word of God, but the opportunity. To say, bring the Lord's Supper in. Yeah. Okay. So, so that you're obviously a local church is is very involved. So, how how does the local church in which you're an associate pastor get involved in this work? Uh, obviously, they send you there, but are, are there other ways that that your local church and others get involved in this work? Uh, yes, it is definitely a local church uh, ministry. I I don't think of this as just the Brett Malin ministry. I think of this as Covenant OPC's ministry, and then I just, by the grace of God, get to be the one who uh, leads it and uh, gets to do the a lot of the nitty-gritty of that. So um, the way that this church, Covenant OPC, has uh, ministered to the prisons uh, for about 15 or so years uh, is that um, we seek to treat those in the prison, especially those who take membership vows with us, uh, insofar as we're able, as regular members. So um, they are on our membership list. Uh, anything that we would give or do for someone else, we would seek to do that for them. So the pictures of the inmates happen to be in our uh, membership, uh, along with all the other families 
and their um, their pictures, their family photos, and that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, so they're so not then, they're not treated as second class citizens. They're they're treated they're treated as I, I guess the analogy I would use it's a little bit like people who are in the military. They can't be there on a Lord's Day, but but they're they're still members of the church. Is that kind of a good analogy? That's right. Or you could use the analogy of uh, shut-ins or those who are sure. just not able to come. Um, so they're not able to come to, say, a congregational meeting and that sort of we – we try to bring as much of the church as we can uh, to them. And I might add, uh, our session, that is our elders, they seek to come in, in as often as they are able. There are restrictions there. I did just bring our deacons in. And uh, that was a great experience. That was the first time I've been able to bring the deacons in. And I might also add, um, we, we send uh, Christmas cards and different holiday cards, seek to acknowledge their birthdays and send cards that way. And then some families have actually uh, adopted one of the one or two of the inmates themselves, and they just uh, focus upon that person, pray for that person each day, uh, the young people, the, the children in the family are used to praying for inmates so-and-so, and, uh, then they often will, uh, write, uh, write cards. Also, children drawing pictures and sending those in to the inmates, uh, that really can touch the heart of those who often feel forgotten, often feel neglected, and oftentimes, uh, tears will flow when you find that, uh, a child has uh, drawn something or colored a picture for you. Uh, fascinating. This is an entrance into a world with which very, very few of us are, are familiar, the world behind the prison walls. And my, my guest is a man set apart from ministry to those in prisons, Pastor Brett Malin. And uh, particularly today we're dealing with the, the involvement of the local church, of whatever name, uh, with uh, with working with prisoners, but just just um, we'll be back in a moment considering this. But uh, just want to remind you that this program is brought to you by a group of churches uh, that are called a presbytery in our circles, um, a group of Orthodox Presbyterian churches in the uh, Southern Connecticut and metropolitan New York area. Those congregations are Harvest uh, Orthodox Presbyterian Church in East Haddam, Connecticut, Westminster Church in Hamden the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Mount Vernon, New York, Reformation Presbyterian Church in Fresh Meadows, Queens, and then the Orthodox Presbyterian Churches in Franklin Square and Bohemia, and Trinity Church in Syosset. Those are all the churches that help provide the funds so that we can do this. And also we are grateful for Redeemer Broadcasting Network, in which this program is simulcast. We have rather extensive archives of a visit to the pastor's study, and some of which would bear on the program today, the uh, program Joy for the World, an interview with Greg Forster about the way in which the life of God's people is meant to reach out to and demonstrate the joy of Christ to the world, including prisons, showing Christ and relief work. Uh, Pastor Brett mentioned deacons and their work of relief work, and there's a whole program that we have on showing Christ in relief work around the world with a lot of practical helps for you, and then hospitality, God's and ours, because this is really what we're dealing with, an extension of, of hospitality to those who are in prison, as our Lord called us to do. 
If you'd like to access those, you can get them at the archives. Visit thepastorsstudy.org. You can Google that in, visitthepastorsstudy.org. That's all one word. Or visit the pastor's study. We'll get you there. And then, or you can also access the programs at our site on sermonaudio.com. That's all one word, sermonaudio.com. A rich, rich source of, of uh, preaching and teaching and broadcast for you. Just look for a visit to the pastor's study area of sermonaudio.com. Please like us on Facebook at our Visit to the Pastor's Study site. And, of course, we always value your questions and your comments. You can text those in at any time, 516-367-0391, 516-367-0391 for your text questions. And if you'd like to call in the program today dealing with prison ministry, 631 955 5400. Uh, Pastor Brett, let, let's tie up this before we, we get into uh, helping prepare ministers or, or preparing ministers, preparing prisoners for life outside. How do you receive prisoners who come to faith in Christ in the prisons? How do you receive them into local church membership? Tell us a little bit about that process. Absolutely. Uh, well, we seek to duplicate what we would do in the local church, as I said before. So uh, in a local church, obviously that means uh, it's different for every church, but uh, usually there's some sort of uh, uh, an inquirer's class or a membership class or sort of thing where you teach uh, you know, some of the, the basics of the faith and uh, walk them through the uh, membership questions, the membership vows. And so uh, that is what we seek to do there uh, in the prison. So uh, I have a few men actually that I'm uh, walking them through the uh, shorter or excuse me, the um, the membership vows. And uh, obviously, we're it, it takes a little bit more time to do it uh, because of the uh, restrictions. Uh, it's not like you know you can have just one every single week uh, like in the local church, but um, I'm working my way through uh, those questions with a couple of men, and our hope is uh, that we would uh, have them uh, profess their faith and answer the membership vows in one of our worship services, and we would seek to do that with our uh, elders uh, present. Yeah, in this case, Um, you're bringing the worship service to the prisoners. (laughs) Obviously, they're not going to let them out of prison to come to profess their faith in, in a gathering at the local church, right? Yep. Yeah, okay, yep. so you have your elders involved. And, and Pastor Brett, you mentioned before working with a chaplain. Many people may not be aware. I would gather it's kind of standard that there are chaplains in the prisons, correct? I mean, probably staff chaplains. Yes, there are staff chaplains. There are a couple uh, there at the particular prison. Um, they They do do ministry. But a large amount of what they do is administrative uh, because they have uh, they, they run the all of the the programs anything educational anything having to do with any uh, of the religions who uh, have a uh, have a presence there they're doing the administrative work for that so uh, there are uh, presently we have just two who are employed by the uh, the state and and by the 
the, the correctional center. So, so if people are wanting to initiate this, and they should obviously do this under the guidance of the, the governing body of their local church, you would you would begin with the chaplain of of the particular correctional institution, right? That is where you'd want to begin. Yes, you'd start okay. off, uh, seek to con seek to uh, contact the chaplain. And uh, what you want to do is just ask if you can have a Bible study. Start off simple, something like once a month, uh, something like that. And uh, they probably have other churches and other ministries already in there, but uh, they may be looking for more. There's always need. Uh, there's a lot of work to do sure. in the prison. Now, Pastor Brett, what about... What about let's, let's look at sort of the the end of the pro, well, it's not really the end but as far as the the prison goes what what about preparing prisoners for life outside after they're released on, on parole what, what, do you have programs for that or things that you do or encourage or is what the prison's doing satisfactory talk to us about that certainly well uh, I I must admit that uh, we. Our particular church, Covenant OPC, has nine members uh, throughout the, uh, the Illinois area and different prisons. Um, we have not had any who have been released because it's a maximum security, and many of them have uh, been convicted of uh, heavy, heavy and serious crimes. Um, h- however, I do have some who may get out, and so we don't have a... Uh, a particular program. However, um, what we do have is uh, just the regular Word of God and the counseling uh, of the pastor. Uh, So I am seeking to be in there and talking them through these things. And, uh, you know, some when they talk about getting out, and they're hopeful that they will get out, um, you know, I, I seek to explain how the world has changed, because some of them have been in there for uh, decades yeah. and things that we take for granted, uh, things technological and other things, um, they've only heard of these things or seen them on TV. Um, they've many of them have never done an internet search, um, never listened to a podcast. Um, it, it's it, things things are in a sense almost behind the times uh, technologically, and many of them are a few decades. Uh, behind because of where they were when when they when they when they went in. Yeah, I think I want to explore that a, a little bit more. Questions are coming in, coming in, Pastor Brett. Uh, this is one that was texted, and again, the text number, if you'd like to call in with your question, is five one six three six seven zero three nine one. Have you had a prisoner who became an attending member and, and who became an attending member? Obviously, I would assume that they're released. And then what has been the response of the congregation when a prisoner actually joins and attends uh, the church? And, and I guess we could add to it, how do the people respond when there's an announcement to the congregation that uh, the elders have approved the uh, uh, the membership examination of Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so, but they're uh, presently incarcerated at such-and-such prison? What kinds of responses do you get from the congregation? Very good. Uh, I'll seek to answer the first question uh, first. Um, we have not. Uh, we, we've not had anyone released. Um, 
so we will wait for that. We'll wait to see. Um, I would say, though, that the the whole entire church, as far as I can can tell, Covenant OPC is behind the prison ministry. So when they hear updates, they they listen very carefully. They're very interested in this. And uh, the, the senior pastor with whom I work, uh, he actually has has asked me to um, take the pastoral prayer on usually on the third Sunday of the month and particularly to pray for prison uh, issues and also for uh, updating the congregation. And so whenever I give that about once a month, people tell me, oh, it's so encouraging to hear uh, what God is doing in there. Yeah. yeah, so essentially what you're saying is this prison ministry needs to be seen as, as best as we can as really a, an extension of the organic life of the church, and you do the best you can given with the, situ- given the situation, correct? That's right, yeah, and I think that's what Hebrews 13.3 is calling us to do. Yeah, okay, remembering those who are in, in prison is bound with them, excellent. And I, I think the analogy, too, of, of dealing when we're dealing with shut-ins who can't be at worship or military people who are, who are away, uh, at least in terms of, of involvement in church life, is, is, is apt. Um, thinking down the line, we, we, because we, we uh, and again, phone call, uh, the, the, if you'd like to call in with your call, 631-955-5400. Incidentally, if you're thinking of calling, do it soon. We tend to get calls when the program is done. Uh, so muster up your courage, 631-955-5400, or text your question now, 516-367-0391. Um, but let's go back to this matter of, of, of preparing uh, prisoners for life outside after they're released or on parole. What's actually done in the prisons to, to, to help people? I mean, I would assume that things are done, but, but I, maybe, I'm, maybe I need to be disabused of the idea. Uh, well, like you were mentioning, or, or maybe it was myself, uh, Prison Fellowship does do some of that. I, I would also say um, Divine Hope Reformed Bible Seminary is, uh, that, that's one of the goals, and that's one of the, the, the plans of that. So uh, reducing the recidivism rate by teaching men and women throughout this area the Word of God. Um, ultimately, we can have programs galore, uh, and, and we might not have any result if we're not bringing the Word of God and bringing godly counsel. And obviously that's done, seems to me, in, with a program that can be done, but it also needs to be done on an individual basis, getting to know someone, really pastoring them and uh, helping that person to know uh, their weaknesses, their temptations, how this person got there in the first place and then to avoid those things which uh, uh, brought them to that place in their life. Yeah, and just to explain, recidivism rate is a fancy expression for people who go actually go back to a life of crime when they get when they're out of prison. And uh, the, the goal, of course, is to is to lessen that, if not eliminate it. What about once a prisoner is released? And I think this bears on on the question that was texted to us. 
So then what? What uh, We've been cautioned about going to pick them up to give them a ride when they get out of prison, but, but there are things to do when they're out. What, what would that look like, ministry to people when they're out of prison? Uh, that's going to take many different forms. Ultimately, they're going to need uh, some sort of safety net. Um, if that's their family, uh, that's good. Uh, it ought to be their church. Hopefully, it can be both. And um, there are places in this area, uh, in, in the area uh, around Chicago, where uh, they help men and, and women to um, make that transition. So it's a place where they're surrounded by Christian believers, and they're immediately given a job, and they're working together, uh, because many of them um, haven't worked a 40-hour week in quite some time, or if at all. So we've got to ease them into that, helping them see this is what we do. We we, we work this many hours. We we pay our bills. We we have all of these things. Um, Now, there certainly are jobs, and there's work inside of the prison. There's plenty of work to be done, uh, but it's different. Uh, it's different than it is on the outside. You need to be somewhat self-motivated on the outside, whereas on the inside, inside of a prison, you have a correctional officer overseeing your every move and making sure that you're doing what you need to do. So you're saying for local churches, they should be, if they're all wanting to be involved in this, they should also be looking at organizations in their area that are helps to people when they get out of prison, either giving them job skills, computer skills, or whatever. There are organizations like that, is what you're saying. Yes. Okay, and they should look into that. I mean, what what uh, offhand, if they were to Google something to find out what these entities are, what would they do? Uh, well, there is there is one um, local to here, and um, they they have a thrift store that they okay. run. Uh, and so the inmate who, the, the former inmate, would then uh, live on the premises with other former inmates and have Bible studies and seek to have Christian community. But then uh, a certain number of hours a week are, are given to working in the thrift store. And obviously uh, the thrift store and donations, those keep the uh, that that particular ministry open. So that would be one of the avenues, and I would imagine too there are there are secular organizations that have a job training and that kind of thing, and and churches should have a, a kind of a resource list of what these are, right? Yes, and uh, I mean obviously we fortunate to live in the age where so much information is right at our uh, at our fingertips, but it's good to uh, to be proactive rather than reactive. So. Uh, it's good to know what's near us. Yeah, I think for pastors, just, just from a pastor's perspective, as from yours, Pastor Malin, uh, the, the uh, making, just getting out there in the community and, and visiting with the local Salvation Army or visiting with local social service organizations and that kind of thing will, will fill you in on that. So, so Pastor Malin, are you, would you give us your contact information so that people who have specific questions can contact you? Absolutely. Um, my email address, uh, that would be uh, malin.1 at opc.org. That's M-A-H-L-E-N 
dot one at opc.org. That would be for specific questions. Now, you also mentioned this seminary that does work with prisoners. Does it go beyond the bounds of of Indiana and Illinois in its work? Uh, My particular one, uh, Divine Hope, does not. It's just Indiana and Illinois. Uh, But there are other prison seminaries. Actually, um, the model one is actually uh, Louisiana State Prison uh, in Angola, Louisiana. And uh, that was often called the Alcatraz of the South. It was a very brutal place. The inmates ran it, uh, in a sense, uh, a couple of decades ago. And uh, Sullivan was a, a Baptist seminary uh, that, was, that was near there, just said, hey, we want to come in and teach Bible and teach theology. And uh, that prison has been revolutionized as a result of that, to the point where there are actually ministers who are inmates who are pastoring whole churches of other inmates there in Angola. Amazing. And uh, they've, they've, they've really shown great success, and God has really blessed it. So basically, uh, my seminary, uh, Divine Hope, is seeking to follow that model, but obviously uh, we love our Baptist brothers, obviously, but uh, we're Reformed yeah. and Presbyterian. We have a few differences, but we're seeking to bring uh, Reformed theology to uh, to the inmates and hope that we might see that sort of change. Oh, that's wonderful. You can get information about all of these things and others, if you will, uh, email Pastor Brett Malin, and that is M-A-H-L-E-N, Malin, M as in Mickey Mouse, although there's no Mickey Mouse about Pastor Malin, um, M-A-H-L-E-N dot one at O-P-C dot org. Hey, my thanks to Pastor Brett Malin for being with us today as we consider prison ministry under the, our Lord's words, I was in prison and you visited me. We'd appreciate your feedback or your questions. You can email me at visitpastorbill, that's all one word, visit Pastor Bill at gmail.com. Visit Pastor Bill at gmail.com. Remember, tomorrow is the Lord's Day. Be sure to set apart time to worship the Lord in a church that is faithful to the Word of God. And remember, too, that everyone needs a pastor. Let's pray together. Father, we ask for the Holy Spirit's work in the prisons in our land and in others to take those prison places and make them places of the victories of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask these things in his wonderful name. Amen. You've been listening to A Visit to the Pastor's Study, a ministry of Reformation Metro New York. Our website is www.reformationmetrony.org. Again, that's www.reformationmetrony.org. For more information on the program, check out our website at www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. That's www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. Listen in next week at 12 noon for another edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Remember, everyone needs a pastor.